Sometimes too, another reason people hold up the concept of birth defects as being a reasonable reason to abort a baby. That baby was still created in the image of God. And I think of a scripture where Jesus healed a man and his disciples asked Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus told his disciples, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Welcome to Life in Christ. My name is Brent Nelson. This is a podcast of the Landing Church here in Proctor. We aim as a church to glorify God and His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, God the Son, in the power of God, the Holy Spirit, three persons, one God, in the hope that we have that coming to God is coming to Him by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We proclaim the gospel here with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Our topic is one of pro-life. It's really the second part of a two-part discussion around the theme of pro-life. The last time we talked together, Paul Anderson was our guest. And Paul, you're back again today and ready to have another conversation about pro-life matters. Thank you for being here. You're welcome. Yeah, looking forward to closing this out, talking about some things about human reason and and the importance of the issue. Well, the last time we talked about so many biblical passages that undergird the truth that God has spoken, and he has spoken that what he creates in our mother's wombs is a person. And I recommend anybody listening now, if you haven't listened to that first episode on the theological, biblical foundation for why a pro-life position is in full accord, not just with a few key passages, but with the whole witness of Scripture. Now we want to talk about human reason, and we want to talk about it in a way that really makes the assumption, and it's an important one, that careful scientific inquiry is not an opposition to Scripture or the God of truth, but actually confirms it, actually aligns with it, and reveals, illustrating the truths of God's Word. So when we talk about the human reason that goes into why abortion is so very wrong and morally to be avoided, displeasing the Lord, and grievous to all persons involved, uh, it's not just that the Scripture teaches so, it does, but in the Scripture teaching it, nature and careful observation of human of nature through human reasoning will confirm that human being born or preborn is a person made in the image of God and worthy to be preserved and cared for and loved and medically cared for and cherished and honored the way any human being would. These are big categories. These are big topics. Uh, the attempt to try to take a scientific position and use it to support the killing of an unborn child is an inherently inconsistent position, hypocritical position. It's not even a a fairly clearly formulated position. And it's an evil position. It's morally evil because it tries to take what God has joined together, that is his image and the life of a human being, and tear them apart. Trying to call that health care when in fact it's just murder and it doesn't provide health for anyone. Or trying to call it the privacy of an individual's choice. Well, we're a culture of order and we don't give anyone the private choice to kill another human being. That's in essence the collapse of culture not the upholding of culture. So it's no wonder 
that our culture is uh, confused, darkened, deluded. So we approach human reason having first heard from God. That's important. And, and recognizing fully that God rules over humanity and over human reason. And acknowledging that even human reason is tainted by the fall and must be carefully examined and uh, held to account. When you think about arguments for unborn life from the position of human reason, where does Grudem start? Where do you start? And I, I use Wayne Grudem's name because we're, we're basing our conversation very broadly on his uh, writings in his book, Christian Ethics, on the matter of abortion. As we get into this, human reason is to be honored and understood, but it certainly falls under the umbrella of what God has created. God has given us human reason. But it's human reason, and anybody here that's a human that's listening to me will know that as time goes on, you might change your mind on some things based on facts that come to light. There's four reasons that Wayne Grudem laid out for taking a position against abortion, and one happens to be treatment of a baby after it's born. How we treat a child after it's born can have significant persuasive force. For example, Wayne Grudem in 2018 said, would we think it right for our laws to allow a parent to kill a one-year-old child because they find out that they don't want to be a parent anymore? Persuasively, we would agree, of course not. Of course not. <laughs> of course not. We wouldn't. We wouldn't say, oh, this three-year-old, this five-year-old, this one-year-old. Because the moment you the moment you begin to say that, everybody's available for everybody's available for deletion. One of the most effective measures that I that Wayne Grudem would say and that I would agree with to be a strong argument to not have an abortion, not engage in abortion, is that of an ultrasound. Mm -hmm. So often, an ultrasound can show the intricacy of what God has created from a very early time in that new baby's life. And we know other, other ministries like Focus on the Family that have made huge efforts in, in making ultrasounds available to anybody who would benefit from having an ultrasound. Free ultrasounds. Yeah. Ultrasound machines have been donated all over the country and some parts of the world, is my understanding. Again, for the sake of saying this is more, this is more than nothing. The other, another argument against this is the loss of valuable human lives to society. This sounds so economic when we talk about it or kind of economic based, but but it's part of what God has blessed us with. Sure. He blesses us with people who have special gifting, special abilities, special um, capacities to do things that others can't do. Mm -hmm. And when we have intentionally put, some would say, 80 to 100 million babies to death in the United States in five Since decades. 19, yeah, right, right. In five decades. Right. Um, if, if we've lost 80 to 100 million people because we chose to put them to death, there's, there's a massive loss of... God's delivery of good things into our society because of that. Right. Maybe scientists, maybe nurses, maybe chefs or dare. You know, maybe who knows what. But but that's a, a huge loss. And the final one that Wayne Grudem touches on that I think is so powerful is the instinct of the mother. And we've we talked about that um, just a bit last time too. When the mother is pregnant, the mother is protective of what she is carrying. The mother knows I'm going to change my patterns of lifestyle a little bit. I'm going to I'm going to be more careful when I do this. I'm going to be careful so I don't do that. Um, I'm going to pay attention if something doesn't seem right. I'm going to get it checked out. Those are instincts God has given the mother to pay attention to that little one that He's placed in her womb, 
And just knowing that for someone who won't even acknowledge the existence of God, that person still knows there's something that needs to be protected in her womb. Well, and it leads me to want to say, uh, just very briefly, but also with, with a measure of weight and importance, if you're a mom listening to us and you have participated in aborting your child, know there is forgiveness and grace for you to have that burden and that sorrow and that guilt cast from your shoulders onto Christ. He came to die for you that you might be free from the guilt of that sin and walk in the fullness and the abundance of the new life God has for you in Jesus Christ. So even as we're talking about the grave sorrow of ending one's own child's life, and we don't, we don't want to minimize how grave and sorrowful that is, yet we, we just as swiftly want to say we speak of this in the context of an amazing Savior and a glorious grace that covers all that you've been through, all that you've done and all that's been done to you. We want to extend that. Grudem goes on to talk about engaging with arguments for abortion. Some, Grudem says, some would contend that if the baby can't survive on its own, it's acceptable to put that baby to death, to subject that baby to an abortion. That's a a scary thought. That's a, a thought that has no place in, in compassionate human minds from my perspective. That's right. Um, but if, if the baby can't take care of itself, some would say it's, it's okay to abort that baby. It's okay to kill that baby. But would we do the same for someone else who can't take care of themselves for a period of time between maybe 50 or 60 or between 30 and 50, whatever? Or would we put that person to death too? Well, sadly, what you're alluding to, Paul, is that there are people who are, whose voices are saying, both in political spheres and, is, and in other, other ethical spheres, that yes, yeah. we, we would, we would uh, see a scenario in which a, a senior person should not be given life-giving care, or a person with a disability should not be given life-giving care, or a child that's clearly going to die eventually uh, and, and won't have a, a quality of life that some person uh, defines by their own fiat. That, that child or that person should not receive medical care, uh, expensive as it is, the, the argument is made. Yeah. And those are reprehensible arguments, actually. They are. But they're being made, and your illusion is, they're being made more now in 2023 than they were in 2018. Absolutely. Absolutely. We could come up, we could offer some examples on that. I won't right now, but, but there's, there's things going on in laws that are being proposed that change terms from prenatal to perinatal, things like that that are, are dangerous yeah. for the baby. Yeah. Sometimes, too, another reason people hold up the concept of birth defects as being a reasonable reason to abort a baby. That baby was still created in the image of God. And I think of a scripture where Jesus healed a man and his disciples asked Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus told his disciples, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. God has a plan, just like we talked about last time, God has a magnificent plan for every human being that he creates, a beautiful plan. And it may not look like the plan that I call a good plan. That's right. It may not look like uh, an effective plan, but God has a plan for each one of those people. and, And we can't discern the ends of what he has in mind there from the beginning, that's just out of bounds. But some would say if, if, the, if there's birth defects or, 
or abnormalities, then the baby should not be brought to brought to life. The baby should be put to death rather, and not be brought to full term. Yeah, and of course, uh, we're talking within the framework of human reason, uh, but human reason submitted to the authority of God, and God in the giving of human reason as a as a gift to humanity is not asking us to use our human reason to thwart his word, right. but to submit to it yeah. and align with it. Yeah. And very clearly that John 9 passage says that God can ordain that a child be born blind. And there's a sorrow that's accompanying that, a very real sorrow for mom and dad and for mm-hmm. the child, him or herself. But he says so for the final ultimate purpose that God's glory and works may be displayed in that young man. That's right. 30 years later. Yeah. So you're so right. And it's so helpful to bring a God-centered perspective to these questions of human reason. That's my point. Uh, I'm not forgetting God as I'm trying to use human reason. In other words, I can't just merely look at the hardship of a young boy in ancient first century Palestine not being able to see. That's That's hard. Absolutely. I'm granting that. I'm also saying a great God has something greater at at work in the in the moment either in this life or in the life to come when he sees perfectly and he sees in a way that gives God all the glory Wayne Grudem used an example that he quoted as being used by Randy Alcorn mm-hmm. and Randy Alcorn reportedly is quoting a professor and we're quoting them right now. that's right that's right <laughs> but this is what was written Randy Alcorn quotes an example of a medical school professor who presented the following case study and asked students what they would do. The father had syphilis and the mother had tuberculosis. Of four previous children, the first was blind, the second died, the third was both deaf and dumb, and the fourth had tuberculosis. What would you advise the woman to do when she finds she is pregnant again? One student answered, I would advise an abortion. Then the professor said, congratulations, you've just killed Beethoven. (laughs) Well, point well taken. Yes. Beethoven was nothing more and nothing less special than every baby that's been created in the image of God, by God, for his purposes. Beethoven was especially gifted in areas that were appreciated by billions of people, hundreds of millions of people. But that little baby that has a disability has been created by God as he or she was created and ordained to fulfill a purpose that we may not know until we get to heaven. Praise the Lord. Paul, it's been so helpful to talk about this from the perspective not only of good human reasons for uh, a pro-life position and even encountering some of the arguments that are being made against uh, a pro-life position. One of them is, and, and, and at first it sounds rather compelling, Abortion should be made available in the case of rape and incest. How do we respond to that? You know, a statement would be, sins of others do not warrant the punishment of the innocent. You can, you can say it any way you want. The sin of rape, the sin of incest is an abomination. And my heart goes out to anybody that's experienced any part of that. And just like you spoke spoke about abortion earlier, the same there, God is in the business of healing. Having said that, the case of abortion, I'm I'm sorry, the case of rape or incest is a horrible crime, but the one that God created in that mother's womb still bears his image and still has a appointment 
to accomplish what God has put that little one on earth to do. And, and that needs to be respected. Yeah. And you can even say to, to mom or grandparents or other siblings or to dad, the circumstances that brought about the conception of this child were very, very painful. And we can, as you've just said, acknowledge them wholly. But you need not view the child as a reminder of the pain of that experience. Rather, you might view the child as the wonderful redemption of those painful experiences, the healing, the joy, the hope, the repair and the, and the reconciling with God of the painful experiences that occurred even in that child's conception days, months, years, decades before. I've seen that happen. I've talked with individuals for whom that's happened. Yeah, what a beautiful way God paints those pictures. Just amazing. Some would say also that abortion is acceptable to save the life of a mother. And on this, Wayne Grudem gives some, some room to move on that. It's, it's similar to um, those that work in EMS, um, a mass casualty incident. You have this much resources, you only take care of this many people, and there's been more people are injured, you have to make decisions. Sometimes a mother's life will be in danger, perhaps an ectopic pregnancy where the baby's developing in the fallopian tube. And sooner or later, because the baby will get bigger and bigger, it's going to cause that tube to rupture, and the baby will die from that action, and possibly the mother. So those kinds of things, Wayne Grudem, and I tend to agree with it, there's room for that to save one life that God has placed on earth, even at the cost of that. I agree with that as well. It's a much larger question than a pro-life question, because as you said, it happens in war and it happens in all manner of other difficulties and experiences where, where caregivers must make those decisions. But when it comes to actually saving the life of the mother, we're talking about a fairly small segment of pro-life ethical yeah. questions here. Yeah, the, the statistics that I was able to find worldwide, or in the United Kingdom at least, over in, the, in Europe, 0.006% of the time that would be the case. Some of the statistics in the United States show it to be 0.118% of the time. So one out of less than, one out of a thousand in the United States, perhaps, and that might, there might be some reporting errors in there that the author indicated. And in the United Kingdom, much less than that. I, I won't even try to do the math now. Six one thousandths of yeah. a percentage yeah. point in which that's the ethical question yeah. faced, yeah. Yeah, so it's a, it's a rare situation. Human reason points to, inevitably, human governmental policies. We're not taking up political sides here. That's not our aim or interest. We're not taking up political positions, although we would wholeheartedly urge people to think through the political positions on pro-life matters for those who are in positions of policymaking and authority. When, when we think about the scriptures and we think about guidance from God's word, how does it inform our human reason when we're, say, voting or when we're endorsing certain policies or positions or even certain politicians? Well, civil government is, again, an institution established by God right, sure. to look out for the people on earth. And, and in Psalms 82, we're told, Give justice to the weak and fatherless, maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute, rescue the weak and the needy, deliver them from the hand of the wicked. That's, mm-hmm. the, that's the business of civil government. That's right. And as such, government should not be in the business of taking away freedoms to do what is right. 
but they should be protecting those that are most vulnerable. A baby in the womb, as we talked about last time, is very vulnerable. It's, that's why God speaks so strongly about it back in Exodus. So we would affirm, we would affirm ways in which our government is protecting unborn children. If there are laws against murder and a pregnant woman is killed, say, by a drunk driver, and so is her child, that's a double murder. Yeah. And that drunk driver must pay not just for one murder, but for two. And we can go beyond that too, Brent. We can talk about gunshots, you know, homicides. We can talk about other types of assaults, kill both, or one or both, yeah. But... Some of the things Grudem suggests is that government policies should promote, should not promote or fund abortions. We're not there today in the United States, but Most certainly it should not happen, right. according to what, what Grudem is saying here. No, no government funding or support should be given to the process of creating human embryos for the purpose of destroying them in medical research. And we could go on with a few more there, but that's basically government is intended to protect the most vulnerable respecting the creator of the most vulnerable. I would like to, uh, in the hope that it's possible that this recording may fall into the ears of someone in policymaking in the city of Duluth or in the state of Minnesota or in the United States of America or elsewhere in the world, I would like to simply ask anyone in policymaking authority right now to actively work for the preserving of unborn life in all of their policies and to recant and repent if they have enacted any policies that foster the killing of unborn children. The killing of unborn children is never a solution to any personal, national, or international need. It solves nothing. It never solves a problem. The darkness of the human soul thinks if I can get rid of a person, I can get rid of the problem. That's never true. That's always a lie. I would call upon every government official to end the use of murder by the euphemism of abortion. The kind of judgment God will bring in the final day against those who sacrifice human life for the worship of unholy purposes is a severe judgment worthy of the Lord himself alone in terms of enacting it. But it will be endless and severe indeed. Paul, it's been wonderful to talk about these matters with you. Uh, it's a very important issue, as I think we've communicated through our conversation. Is there, is there any other thoughts you think it would be helpful for us to let linger in our minds as we wrap up this conversation? There is one I'd like to touch on just before we wind down here. The whole question of how important is this issue? Anytime we ask a question like that, we I believe we have to look at it from the perspective not of what Paul Anderson thinks, not what you think, but what's God saying about this and how does it impact the, the creation that he's blessed us with, the, the things going on. And I, I, think, I think we see in our society today the tendency of people to real quickly bow before what I think Wayne Grudem termed the altar of self-appeasement. Back in the Old Testament, in Jeremiah, there's a recounting of God's people moving away from what God wanted, up to and including sacrificing their children to a pagan god, Moloch. And I, it's, it's a few lines long here, but I'd, I'd like to just read that for context. Jeremiah 7, four verses, five verses. For the sons of Judah have done evil in my sight, declares the Lord. No question. He says it's evil. 
They have built the high places of Tophath, which is the valley of the son of Hinnon, to burn their sons and their daughters in the fire, which I did not command, nor did it come into my mind. Therefore, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when it will no more be called Tophet for the valley of son of Hinnon, but the valley of slaughter, for they will bury in Tophet because there is no room elsewhere, and the dead bodies of this people will be food for the birds of the air and for the beasts of the earth, and none will frighten them away. And I will silence the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem the voice of mirth and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, for the land shall become a waste. Burning or killing sons and daughters as appeasement or sacrifice to Moloch is not so different than offering our next generation up on that altar of self-appeasement. And God is a God of patience. God's a God of love. But he won't, withst- he won't stand silent forever while we disobey him. Just like he said here, he said, it's evil in his sight. I will stand up and say it's evil in, God, in God's sight for us to disobey what he's told us must be followed. Well said. Well, this has been, as always, and as is fully expected, a tremendously challenging and encouraging conversation. Paul, there's many, many more issues we could talk about in a networked way that arise out of this question. They, they branch off. Uh, but we'll leave those for future conversations. I wonder if you would be willing to pray for us as a church, as well as those who might be listening to this recording as we close. Father, we come before you acknowledging that you are the author of life. You're the one that creates life. You give us life, and you create us in the image of yourself. We praise you and thank you for that. Father, we I just pray that through the power of your Holy Spirit, you would open eyes and hearts, remove blinders, so that people can see the truth of the Word and the truth of who you are. Father, I know there's some, maybe many, who are going to hear what we're speaking of and be stricken with guilt, with with devastation. Father, draw them to yourself. Show them the depth of your love and forgiveness. Show them the depth of the mercy you can extend to people who will call on your name. Father, would you cause anyone who's been touched by an atrocity such as abortion, would you cause them to be able to reach out to you right now, to cry out to you right now for forgiveness, and would you lovingly enfold them in your arms and lead them on the path of healing? Father, I pray for everyone who's called by your name that they would quickly and clearly understand that there's a difference between what the world calls acceptable and what you call acceptable, and that we'd be willing to take that stand. Father, for the government officials that have the powers elected by the many citizens of the country and state and whatever that we live in, I pray, God, that you would give those government officials a fresh understanding of who you are and what's required of your people. I pray that they'd see your authority. I pray that there'd be... Um, eyes open to the reality that that what exists exists at your command and that nothing can be um, destroyed without you knowing it. But God, have mercy on us as a city, have mercy on us as a nation, have mercy on us as a people who, who choose to follow your will and yet 
sometimes silence ourselves thinking, I don't want to offend somebody. I don't want to speak too loudly here. Give us grace, Father, to, to walk through life together, embracing and holding up the great gift of life that you've given to us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Paul, thank you so much. If you're listening to Life in Christ and you find yourself facing a uncertain future with a pregnancy that you're not sure that you want or know how to receive and rejoice over, reach out to your local church. Bring the question to them. They'll find someone to help you and give you wise decision-making according to God's Word and maybe even help you bear that child and ultimately help you to uh, release that child into their forever family through adoption. If you're right in the Duluth area, come on over to the landing. Call me up. My name is Brent Nelson. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'll talk with you about finding a way to preserve the life of the child growing within you and finding the forever family for that child if it's not going to be in your household. And I'm serious about that. Contact us. We look forward to having you click in with us again. Take care. Thank you for listening to Life in Christ. This podcast is a ministry of The Landing Church in Duluth, Minnesota. For more resources or information about The Landing, visit www.thelanding.church.